0: Medicare was paying for it while you're eating the donut. And then once you got into that donut hole, it was really all on the patient.
1: Yeah. Is this a glazed donut?
0: It is actually chocolate frosted uh. with sprinkles. Um, <laughs> Yuck. <laughs> Welcome to the Mastering Medicare podcast, where we demystify health and Medicare for senior serving professionals and providers with your co-hosts, Dr. Alex Moseni and Dr. Amy Schiffman. Visit masteringmedicare.net for show notes, additional episodes, and valuable resources. Okay, so... Alex, Part D is so confusing that we literally just had to read about it. We have to know 10 minutes more than our audience.
1: Well, we had to reread about it because when we started to discuss it, we realized...
0: We don't know anything!
1: No, not that we don't know anything, (laughs) but that a lot of the articles that we had read are actually quite superficial. Yeah, the broad
0: strokes that we do not like.
1: And Amy and I are both math geeks, and we have to really understand something at a deeper level... Otherwise, we feel ashamed.
0: (laughs) Tail between legs. Yeah. I don't blush anymore, do you?
1: (laughs) So when we started to actually run the numbers, we realized it was a bit unclear. And so we had to pause. And now we're back.
0: Yeah. So let's start at the beginning. Part D. Why don't you give a really just a broad strokes overview of what is part D exactly? D is in dog.
1: Outpatient prescriptions.
0: Right. It's anything that's in the emergency room. It's your observation and it's the ones that are happening not in a hospital or in a right rehab not under part a non part a medications yeah got it so medicare wants us to all think of part d in four portions well hold
1: on before we get into that okay part d you have to opt in for
0: correct this is yeah. not an entitlement You have to opt in for it. There is a monthly cost.
1: Right. And you you opt in not through Medicare itself, but through a private- Private
0: companies. It's similar to Part B.
1: Right. So So not
0: Part B specifically, but the Part B sort of secondary insurance market. There's like a whole slew of companies out there providing sort of regulated styles of Part D insurance. Right.
1: So you have to either go online or call one of these companies and they'll offer you a number of different plans probably- Yep, And the the different plans may have different premiums and different coverage amounts. So what we're talking about today are kind of some generalities, right? Right. I mean, you might
0: make the choices that could sway you might be whether or not it covers the deductible, which we're going to talk about, whether it covers certain medications. You may have a specific disease and you may actually want to make sure that you're, choice is, you know, educated and that you're making a choice that will cover the medications that you need for right. your, for whatever it is that you have.
1: So, so you have to opt in, you got to pay some monthly premium. And we, we also learned that not only is there the monthly premium that you pay to the private company, but then there's an income portion as well, which is an another payment. And I believe that goes directly to Medicare
0: I don't know where it goes to. It may go directly to the Part D coverage company too. Yeah, and then they forward it. But either way, you have to opt in, there's a deductible and there's a monthly amount that depends upon what you want your coverage to look like. And then based on what your income looked like two years ago, there's another fee on top of that.
1: Yeah. So you're gonna pay a premium to the to the private insurance company that's offering you the part D and then there are four stages of coverage under pretty much all of these Part D plans. So,
0: do you want to talk about what those four stages are called just sort of to get it out there?
1: Yeah. The first one is called the deductible stage. Yep.
0: That's the deductible.
1: The and second one is called the initial coverage stage. Yep. The third one is called the Medicare coverage gap stage,
0: also called the
1: donut hole.
0: Indeed.
1: And then the last one, uh, dramatically, is called <laughs> the catastrophic. catastrophic. That just sounds yeah. so awful. Like, if you get to the
0: catastrophic, it just sort of sounds like the world has just ended.
1: So the four stages, again, the deductible stage, number two, initial coverage stage, number three, the donut hole or the gap stage, and number four, the catastrophic stage.
0: Right. You know, when you look online and you start to try and pick this apart, you see that It's all based upon the total amount of costs, not just that you're paying, but the total drug costs that you incur as a patient and that you hit each of these stages based on spending different amounts of money on drugs. And I
1: believe these different stages are defined by the amount spent by you and your plan.
0: Correct. It's sort of the whole cost of the medication itself.
1: And it's pretty much all of the costs of covered medications. There are certain medications that don't qualify, and my understanding is... Like
0: vitamins, minerals,
1: erectile
0: dysfunction.
1: So, yeah. (laughs) So, okay. So let's talk about each of these stages one by one. So the first one, the, the deductible stage, is pretty easy.
0: That one's the easy one. I like that one. So that
1: one basically says that in 2020, the first... $435 in costs are covered by the patient 100%.
0: 100% of the retail cost of those medications until you reach $435. Now, you could have opted into a Part D plan that will say, oh, if you pay more maybe in a monthly premium, you don't have to pay the deductible. Right. But there is this $435 deductible for most,
1: most plans. Most plans. Okay. Then stage two is the initial coverage stage. Yep. And
0: that's when it's really important to know what tiers your medications are in. Right. Because
1: because in this stage, you, the patient, are responsible for copay or coinsurance. And it actually kind of depends on what type of medicine in which tier with which plan. So we can't really make a blanket statement. But generally, the patient is paying a smallish component as a copay or a coinsurance. Not
0: to exceed 25% of the total cost of the medication. Right. And it could be as low as free. I mean, right, like if you have a formulary where certain tiers, you may have no cost right. for the medication.
1: And this is the first $4,020 of total expenses, of which the first 430, 435 for most plans, the patient paid fully him Correct. or herself.
0: Yep. So the lower the number of your tier the cheaper the medication is and often the lower the copay is as well.
1: Yeah, so tier one drugs, if you look it up in your plans
0: yeah. website. You want um, to have as many tier one drugs right. on your drug list as possible. When you you're doing de- your medication reconciliation for yourself, right. you want to say, hey, listen, I, as a patient or if you're a provider or some senior serving professional, you want to know how you can maximize this initial coverage period for your patients or, you know, advocate for them. And you want to see the most number of meds in tier one. I mean, you can't always be there, right? Like some people are on complicated meds that are going to be on higher tiers no matter what you do.
1: Right. Recap, stage one is the deductible. That's $435 paid for completely by the patient. Yep. Then up to $4,020 of total expense, the patient pays a copay or coinsurance, which kind of depends on the drug and the tier and the plan. Then we enter stage three, which is the the gap or the donut hole. And this is the expenses from the last stage up until $6,350 of total expense. The patient pays now in 2020 25%, regardless of whether it is generic or brand name correct and that is less than it used to be
0: it correct. used to
1: be when the aca when the affordable care act first went into effect that the patient paid i believe 100% of yeah that the stage. it was a
0: bad place to be in that yeah. donut hole because yeah. it was sort of like imagine a donut where the beginning of the donut you're eating through the middle of the donut the beginning when you start eating is when
1: is this a glazed donut
0: it is actually chocolate frosted ah. with sprinkles <laughs> Um,
1: yuck. <laughs> <laughs> mm, thirty grams
0: of fat. um that Medicare was paying for it while you're eating the donut. And then once you got into that donut hole, it was really all on the patient,
1: yeah, some you don't want to be in the hole, yeah, but over the years, the patient responsibility in this third stage has gone down, and now it is the lowest since I believe the Affordable. yeah, Care I mean Act they, has they're
0: talking down. about that twenty twenty was the quote unquote closing of the gap. yeah
1: because. So, let's explain why, why they're calling this the closing of the gap.
0: Well, because now there is a much larger contribution from your insurance company or from the drug makers into this pile of money that supports patients in this quote unquote, donut hole. So as opposed to having to pay the entirety, of the drug costs, yeah. you're now getting supplemented. So you only really are paying 25% of those costs.
1: Which is the maximum you would have paid in stage two. Yeah, I mean, anyway, stage so... one and
0: stage two kind of look a little bit more alike than No, they... stage
1: two and stage three. I'm, excuse me, yeah. stage
0: two and stage three, right? Stage one being the deductible. But stage two and stage three do look a lot more alike than they did in the past.
1: That's right. And then after a total spend of $6,350, then you enter the stage four, the catastrophic, where um, the you, the patient, pay a nominal um, copay for brand name and pres- and and generic drugs, typically less than five to ten dollars.
0: Right, and these are for drugs that tend to be really expensive, you know.
1: Or any drug, really. Well,
0: well, actually, I'm just thinking out loud, like rheumatological stuff, oncological stuff, things that are really expensive medications. Because
1: there's a reason you've hit the catastrophic stage. Right. And
0: very few people, actually, I think they were saying that between 10 and 20 percent, it's not that many people hit the catastrophic. Four percent? Four percent. Four percent is what
1: the resource I saw. Oh, my
0: God. So only four percent of people are actually hitting that catastrophic stage, which is actually kind of a relief to some degree. Right. Um, So I guess it makes sense then.
1: Okay, so let's recap it real quick. So stage one is the deductible stage, the patient pays all of the $435. Stage two is the initial coverage stage where the patient pays a copay or coinsurance not to exceed 25%. Stage three, up to $6,350, the patient pays 25% regardless of generic or brand. And then after $6,350, Paid by both the patient and the plan, you enter the catastrophic stage where the patient pays uh, nominal co-pays typically less than five to 10 bucks. Fantastic. Anything else we need to know about Part D, Amy?
0: Well, I want to talk a little bit about the fact that even though some of these plans do provide coverage, there's always a glitch, right? Like, it's like the, the, the typical hiccup. right. So one of those is a medication that requires, let's say, a prior authorization. So Mm -hmm. even though maybe the the Part D plan is going to cover it, they're going to really, you know, exact a pound of flesh before they're willing to do so. A lot of these medications are ones where there's choices that can be made, You know, this or that, different types of blood thinners is a good example, where they want to know, have you tried this and have you tried this? And what patients don't really realize, so I'm going to talk about all the different sort of hiccups that can happen, let's just say with a single type of blood thinner, as an example, I won't name one, but let's just say the patient goes into the emergency department and they get a prescription for a medication, And they go, the patient takes that prescription to the pharmacy, and the pharmacy goes, great, we're going to try and fill it. And then they can't because the patient needs what is called a prior authorization. That means that there has to be some sort of prior medical history that is now going to be included in the plea that the pharmacy is going to make to Medicare to pay for this medication. Has the patient tried anything before? What are the alternatives that they've tried? And so what ends up happening is that that all comes back onto the primary care physician to fill out these what are called prior authorizations. It's saying, we're going to pay for it, but you have to fill out a form first. So it halts what is sort of like a really nice smooth prescription pathway into a really staccato, less than fulfilling process for both patient and for the provider, So if you get in the emergency department and and sort of nobody really checked to see, hey, I'm not going to call the pharmacy first, I'm just going to send up, uh, you know, just try any prescription, what you don't end up knowing is whether or not the plan will actually pay for it, what tier it's in, and whether or not it has a prior authorization as required. So... Yeah, prior offs become really problematic. They're usually related to what tier you're at, whether it's an expensive medication, whether there's alternatives, and it is it is considered to be one of the biggest burdens that primary care um, physicians do face on a day to day basis for just getting like regular meds filled.
1: Sounds horrendous.
0: Yeah, and it requires just constant medication reconciliation. But it's not medication reconciliation with the patient. It's sometimes medication reconciliation with the patient's, you know, Part D coverage group. You know, I mean, it, it's constantly changing throughout the year. And so, you know, the providers are often getting these letters that says, oh, you wrote a prescription for this medication. Just as an FYI, we're no longer going to be covering this. So we're going to give your patient 30 days or 60 days or 90 days of this medication. But just so that you're aware, the next time you write this, we're going to either not pay for it at all, require a prior off, or consider switching to a different medication. And wh- alternative. so who's
1: actually making the
0: decisions. Decision. I think the Part D companies are deciding what's on their formulary.
1: So the pharmacy, no, the plan.
0: The plan, right? Uh-huh. The plan. Sorry, yeah, the plan yeah. is making the decisions.
1: The private insurance company. The private
0: insurance company is deciding Based what they're
1: going to cover the
0: rules and probably the costs to, yeah. like the costs that they're negotiating with the drug companies. Mm-hmm.
1: Interesting. Awesome. Anything else you want to teach us?
0: God no. Part D is kind of a misery. It's a misery all around because, you know, you want to be able to provide the best care you can for your patients. And it's kind of like a little bit of a moving target, probably more so than Part A and Part B. Yeah. Part D is a moving target.
1: Well, thank you for helping shed some light on this.
0: Awesome. You have been listening to the Mastering Medicare podcast. Visit masteringmedicare.net for show notes, additional episodes, and valuable resources.